Before we get going into your Hockey IQ podcast episode, I want to thank our sponsor, Rapid Shot. Rapid Shot is the smart shooting lane. Uh, it's like a batting cage for hockey players. Very cool. Tracks your shot in three ways. Accuracy, shot speed, and reaction time. Uh, easy to use. Uh, actually, I used it when I played and was growing up. Very easy. Simply scan your phone in, select your settings, and start shooting. Uh, you can see your stats on the app and online. And you can check them out at rapidshot.com. Uh, great small business. I actually grew up with one of the owner's sons and have played with all the family members by now. Uh, just in local pickups here in Ohio. Very cool local business. Awesome product. I love it. I know quite a few NHLers have them in their homes. Uh, a lot of D1 programs have it at their rinks. So you have to check this out. Rapidshot.com. Check it out. Rapidshot, thank you so much for sponsoring our podcast. Today on the podcast, we're happy to bring on Scott Powers from The Athletic Chicago, the number two athletic hockey writer, as he calls himself in the uh, during the podcast. I think he was the second person hired. Uh, we had an awesome chat with Scott here. We talk a lot about the Blackhawks, the Steel, but also his foray into covering hockey um, wasn't his first love. And I thought that was a really interesting uh, anecdote just about his, his journey into covering hockey for a living. Greg, what did you take away? He's got a lot of great stories. Um, you, you can tell he's a quality writer, and you can see why he was number two higher at the Athletic. Um, I really liked how he is dug in and asked good questions of guys like Belfry, Kane, built those relationships, uh, Ryan Hardy of Chicago Steel, and, and really able to convey those. I, I know he was one of the main reasons I, I signed up for the Athletic, and I would make sure that uh, we all sign up for the Athletics. It's, it's a really great service, and the writers they have are, are phenomenal. And they get into the good technical details that you're not really going to get with most services. So uh, I liked how he gets into details. What about you? Yeah, I concur. And uh, I'll say this for our listeners. It's a little bit different just because it's so heavy Blackhawks and steel. So it's a little bit like less of the traditional like hockey IQ type stuff. Uh, however, we had a really interesting conversation about integrating development as opposed to keeping them isolated as in, you know, a coaching staff coaches and a skills coach coaches. And a lot of times the two aren't married and therefore there's a little bit of a, a fracture. And it was really interesting to hear his perspective on how different teams are able to merge the two. So I thought that was really interesting. Yep. That was great. And then just hearing about his experience writing with Daryl Belfry, who we've had on the podcast in the past, uh, really good stuff. So I'm excited to share this. Let's get into it with Scott Powers. Today on the podcast, we're pleased to bring on Scott Powers from The Athletic Chicago. Scott, how's it going today? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. First things first, talk to us a little bit about how you got into covering hockey, both with the ESPN and, and now at The Athletic. Yeah, it's uh, – I, I hated hockey growing up. Like, I uh, I grew up in Chicago, and hockey was uh, – hockey was something where the neighbors had some sticks, and once a year we took – them out of the garage and we pulled them out and played street hockey and then put them away the next day and said this was dumb and and uh you know we, I, I my dad was in the fan so we didn't go to games and um you know there were some rough periods there growing up with the, the Blackhawks too and I yeah I just you know I never skated and um it wasn't accessible so I uh I don't know if I actively disliked hockey but just it's not something in my life and 
I actually, I covered high school basketball and college basketball and all those things. And I was doing that for ESPN and ESPN decided to move away from their, uh, their local coverage. And, you know, it was either lose a job or start doing some pro stuff. And so they had me do backup on the bulls and the Chicago bears. And then, uh, they moved our Blackhawks writer over to the Cubs, Jesse Rogers. And, you know, it was during the lockout and they said, you know, when the Blackhawks come back, you can, you can help out with the, you know, the Blackhawks. And, you know, I took it very literally that I was going to help out. And, but I, I also really, I probably should have realized that we, we didn't have anyone else to cover it. So I became our, our Blackhawks beat writer and, you know, God bless anyone who read my coverage for those first couple of years. I was just, <laughs> I, I, I didn't know much about hockey. I, you know, I, um, so it's, you know, the fact that I got actually hired by the athletic to cover hockey and, uh, you know, I'm asked to do podcasts like this is, you know, if you'd asked me, uh, you know, this was 2013. So seven years ago, if this was my life, I, I, uh, I probably would have been slightly angry and too and that believes you, but uh, here I am. Yeah. So it's been, you know, it's, it's been a path to kind of figure out hockey and, um, you know, to embrace the sport. And, and, and certainly I've, I've gotten beyond all those hurdles and, uh, in a different place, my hockey knowledge, I, I think, but I, um, but that's been the fun part too, is kind of, you know, like even at learning how to analyze the game and, you know, the fact that I did a book with, with Daryl, um, you know, just somebody with his hockey intellect and the fact that he led me into there and be a part of that process. It's um, yeah. I, I feel like it's uh, at least a testament to maybe how far I've come and or I'm really good at uh, tricking people one or the other. So. Well, you went the uh, right direction. So you're in Chicago, you get the genius, that is Patrick Kane and then Daryl Belfry's working with him and you get to see Adam Nicholas, uh, not, not a bad way to start off. So I'm kind yeah, of curious no. on what that uh, relationship has been like and, and what are some things uh, I'm always curious about new eyes into the sport that you picked up of that are, that's important. Uh, just maybe some big things from you from an outsider's perspective of what is great about these geniuses that you, you're getting to work with. Yeah, it was, you know, that was the interesting part was understanding um, you know, especially coming from mostly a basketball world where you, 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 the athleticism is very easy to notice, right? Like you can tell who's athletic and who's not. And in hockey, it's different where they're not jumping out of the gym or anything like that, you know, for me. So it was kind of understanding the, um, you know, what the brilliance of certain players were and what the skills were. And, and certainly, you know, when you, when you see Ovechkin and why he's, why he's a great player, why Kane is. Um, and then certainly, you know, I haven't covered Kane for seven, eight years. Like you just, you come to appreciate the vision and, and then you talk to someone like Daryl and it, you, you, you get an even greater appreciation of what he sees and how he sees the game and, and how Kane sees it. And, um, you know, certainly covering Panarin and Kane for a bit, you know, it's, uh, I don't know if I appreciated that as much as I should have at the time, but, and then, you know, having Daryl put that in perspective, it's, uh, it, it's something. And, you know, it, it's interesting covering one team. So you're very much, you know, I, uh, I feel like a lot of my hockey experience has been around the Blackhawks, which was uh, probably good, you know, in the fact that they were successful for a bit. Now they've been, they've been a little bit down for, for some years. So it's, it's been interesting to cover that and, and seeing what's good and, and what works. And, you know, I, I feel like I've had a pretty good crash course of uh, the cap stuff, but then also the on ice stuff. And then, you know, but a lot of it's just been asking questions and being curious, you know, I, 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 uh, I think that's been the fun part about this job too, is that, you know, like when Panarin was here, I was really interested in his one timer and, and trying to take a deep dive into that. And, you know, ESPN, I had a lot of freedom and, and with the athletic, I have even more freedom where, you know, I, I've done stories on why guys, you know, tape their sticks a certain way, or, um, you know, the did a story with me uh, two years ago and analyzing every goal he scored and what he saw and, and Kane and I were doing the same thing until the pandemic came and, so it's been, it's fun to have, I think hockey is great because there's an access. 
I think just from a journalism perspective, there's a, there's an access that you don't get in every sport. You know, with basketball, I cover enough bulls where you, you get the same guy in after practice and, and you talk to that one guy and every talks to that guy. And, you know, it's a little bit similar in baseball where the whole room's open and you get some time to talk to guys. And, and, and the nice thing about hockey is that, you know, it, uh, obviously the fourth liner is not as important as a, as a top liner, but he, he still plays a role and, and, and those guys can be important. And, you know, covering guys like Marcus Kruger, um, you come to appreciate those too. So I, I think it's been fun to kind of dive into other parts of the locker room and talk to guys. And, and some of those guys are, um, I'm more willing to talk to you about, you know, breaking it down. Like Slater Cuckoo last year was really good where I, I did a story analyzing what the Blackhawks did during a certain practice and what the drills meant and why they were doing it. And, uh, and Cuckoo was really good about giving his time, kind of explaining it and breaking it down. And so it's, uh, it's nice to have a big room like that and having access. And that's, that's probably the thing I miss the most right now with this pandemic is uh, there, there is an access and it's all, you know, all zoom like this and, and you're, you're kind of dealing the same, uh, you know, same, same questions with all the people, but, um, but yeah, I, I think from just uh, as an outsider coming in, it took me a while to kind of understand. Um, and, and Belfry talks about this in his book too, about when he, you know, when he was coming up and trying to figure out what was great and why, uh, you know, like you compare other players and trying to figure out, you know, how does this guy compare to another? And, and then you, then you kind of are able to assess uh, where the talents at and what the gap is. And so it's, um, you know, I think I've gotten better at that too, where, you know, you certainly, you see prospects come up and you're like, oh, this guy has amazing skill. But then when, when you start relating that to what level he's playing at, who he's playing against and all those different things, like it's, uh, yeah, I feel like it's been a bit of an interesting uh, learning, uh, learning curve for me over the last, you know, seven years. So within that learning curve, what are maybe some details of the game that you've really keened your eye towards or just stuck out when you're talking with players at this elite, elite level and are able to articulate that uh, yeah, unlike yeah. most players? Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, Kane, Kane, obviously, he sees it, but he didn't explain it. You know, and I think doing that story on him explaining how what he scored, you know, how he scored the goals and what he saw and. Uh, you know, there's deception there and there's, you know, it's like this, this defenseman has this skate pointed this way, you know, like and how, and how they can just tap into, uh, uh, you know, just a smile, the, the slightest error that they can, they can capitalize on, you know, and, um, you know, for Kane too, just w w what Belfry talks about with the, uh, you know, you, you kind of understand patterns and, and, and realizing that I'm in the certain pattern, this is what's likely to happen. And more often than not, that I'm going to produce a point or, so yeah, it's, it's been interesting to put, I, I think even the last year, my, you know, working on this book with Daryl, it's all of a sudden you're, you're counting puck touches and you're, you know, you're understanding a time and space. And, um, you know, with Adam Nicholas too, you know, yesterday I was out at Chicago steel practice and, They've certainly had, uh, you know, Steele arguably, you know, ahead of the curve right now with player development. And um, I went out to a skill session. So they, they have a skill session in the morning and then they have their regular practice where they're implementing specific skills and then they put into the game setting. And, and obviously they, they tore up the USHL last year and, um, you know, on their way again this year. And, and, you know, they potentially have the number one pick, you know, Owen Power and this year's draft and they had Brisson this past year. And obviously they're, they're just amounting draft picks, but it's been, um, you know, talking to Adam Nicholas about what makes Owen power interesting and um, you know, a six, five, six, six defenseman and how he skates and um, you know, how he sees time and space. And so, yeah, it's uh, you know, you certainly come to appreciate the details of, of the skating and um, you know, puck management and uh, playing within space and, and and then just how few guys are able to do it, right? Like you just there, there aren't there aren't many players who can do what Kane does, and I think I've come to appreciate those little things over time. 
Um, so Scott, I met you last year down at Daryl's uh, pro camp in Naples, Florida, had a great time getting to meet you and, and hang out with you for the week there. And I'm curious if you could share with our listeners how the process of writing this book with Daryl came to be maybe just like from the start to the finished product. And then I'll, I'll have some follow-ups to that, but maybe just like big picture, like how it, how it came to be. Yeah. I, you know, I, I got to know Daryl a little bit just from having covered Kane and, um, and asking him questions. And, um, you know, he gave me access a few times. Um, and then, uh, you know, I tweeted something about Daryl saying, I think I quote tweeted him saying like, you know, this is one of the smartest minds in hockey. And after that, he had, he sent me a DM saying, have you ever thought about doing a book? And this was uh, a little bit over five years ago. And uh, so we, we talked about it off and on and, it, you know, neither one of us really, you know, no, the other ones really did anything with it, you know, to make it go forward. And finally one day Triumph, who we ended up publishing with, he had emailed me about doing another book. And I said, you know, I'm not really interested in doing this, but I had this idea and, and they jumped on it. And, you know, within a month, I think we had a contract and, um, you know, we weren't sure how to write it. And, and you know, I, I left it up to Daryl how he wanted to do the process. I felt like I was just along with her for the ride, you know. So he had he had recorded most of it and then sent me files. And then I, uh, you know, I edit those and we kind of worked them into chapters. And so, yeah, I'm actually I just started a, a second book recently. And the process is a little bit different. But Daryl, Daryl drove that, you know, that boat. And, you know, I, I had some questions here and there, but he was so structured. And if you'd seen the emails, he sent me with all these, uh, these sheets and how his framework and he's so organized with it, that it was, uh, it was a pretty, pretty simple process throughout. Well, I think you're selling yourself short because I saw like a flow chart of like what he wanted the book to look like. And it was like, it might as well have been in a different language because <laughs> to me, I mean, that's just like how his mind works, but maybe were there any instances like along the way where, I don't know, there was some sort of like pushback or maybe not even that, like any sort of like collaborative, like efforts that were like notable that are worth mentioning. You know, at the end, we, we, we had to cut some of it and, and he wasn't exactly happy with the last chapter. And, uh, and then there, there was a really interesting part about Panarin that we ended up cutting. It just, it didn't fit. And it was, uh, it was tough because I, 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 you know, like having covered Panarin and Kane, that was so such a unique duo, but it, it didn't fit the section. And so we, we had to make some tough decisions. Daryl, the book was really long and, and, and certainly I think the editor had to make some tougher decisions than I did. But for the most part, yeah, I, I think Daryl had a vision of what he wanted to write. And, and, and I had my suggestions or questions, but for the most part, um, we were both on the same page. And I, I, again, you know, it, th this felt like his book, you know, like it, it is his book. It's, I was, I, I felt fortunate to be part of a project like this. I know that this is how smart Daryl is and, you know, just how he's seen in the hockey community. And, and I, I feel like this book's going to uh, stand for a long time. So for, for my, you know, for me to have my name on it was, was certainly the the motivation and, and and even getting just kind of learn about hockey through him and last summer as you know he sent me the chapters I'd walk around Chicago just listening to uh, listening to him before I kind of got to him so I I felt like I had Daryl in my head for a whole summer and just uh yeah just uh, kind of appreciating understanding what he wanted to get down and then putting it on paper and um, it was, uh, yeah, it was a pretty, I mean, it, it was, it was, it was a lot of work because the chapters and it, it is a long book and, and we certainly had to cut things down, but uh, other than time consuming, it was, it was a pretty easy process. Well, again, you did an amazing job and, and thank you for the contribution because like you said, I think this is a, the type of book that'll pass the test of time and you deserve some recognition for that as well. We'd be remiss if we didn't ask though, what is your, what's your newest project, your second book? 
I, I don't. I don't think I can. It's again. It's, it's oh, more. Oh, I got you. I can tell you off the record, but not not on the record as of now. So okay. whenever, whenever I can, I will certainly put it out there. But it's uh, the, the contract's not even, I guess, official yet. So, but I so I don't want to probably count it. But yeah, it, 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 it's something I think too will have some uh, hopefully have some juice in that community. Okay, well, we're going to spend the next 20 minutes just guessing what it is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm curious. This is going back a little bit, but um, we, we kind of got off the journalism thing. But I'm, I'm genuinely curious because I've do, done some freelancing in, in the hockey writing space. And it's, it's harder than people realize to come up with topics, especially like when there's nothing right now, December of 2020, not a ton going on in like the actual hockey landscape of things. Like, what's your process like? Speak for yourself, Dan. I got so many ideas coming out in our I'm talking about It's crazy. My idea news, bank is man. so long. I'm talking about news. All right, make some news for us. The, the, the whole pandemic's been interesting where, you know, unlike the news side, like in newspapers, you pretty much, a lot of the sports departments stepped away because, you know, like the news carries it. And with the athletic, us being a sports only publication, like we needed it. We still needed content and, and the Blackhawks weren't giving us access early on. So for the first few months, we really dug deep into the well of a 10 year anniversary of the blacks blackhawks 2010 cup and you know i did a story on the uh, the pony inn which was the bar the blackhawks used that to, was awesome used to go to so it was a lot of fun and you know the logo uh logo debate was up there so you know that was a project i had actually been working on since last year so I, I finally was able to finish that story and something i probably you know probably my one of my proudest pieces of the year and just the amount of work that took and then and then it's just you know like it's now it's just like Adam Nicholas said he was in town, so I'm like, oh, I, you know, I really haven't been out of the house a whole lot, so I went out to the steel practice, and Owen Power was there, so I sat down with him, and, um, you know, a story coming out in the morning about uh, just kind of what makes him special, and the fact that the Blackhawks uh, could be in that conversation for him, considering just their schedule, and they don't have a proven goalie, and, um, you know, they could be in for that, uh, you know, could be in the lottery for someone like that, so... Uh, and then, then, then some news breaks. You know, the Blackhawks uh, reorganized uh, the front office a little bit. Stan Bowman was made uh, president of uh, the hockey ops, and then you know we had John McDonough's firing, and so uh, you know Kendall Coyne was was hired recently by the Blackhawks. So we did a big piece on that, and sure. so some of it you rely on news, and then you try to you know maybe get a couple stories off of that, and uh, you know nostalgia stuff has certainly been something we've uh, we've dug you know deep into and yeah so and, and the fact there's two of us black blackhawks writers mark lazarus also that between the two of us and then you know there's uh you know i hadn't taken any vacation so uh it felt like a useless vacation but i, I took some you know vacation time and yeah there's enough to get by you know I, it's uh it's it's a little bit harder than when the season's going on you're reacting to what's happening and it was nice to have uh, certainly the games and the Blackhawks advancing, uh, you know, one round made, made things a little bit easier for a bit too. So how do you build trust with your athletes and the management? So you're able to get those stories and build those relationships. So, you know, you are able to reach out to Nicholas or he reached out to you and invite you out to practice, or you are able to go out to practice. I'm curious about how that operation works in that side of the business. Yeah, and some of it's just the people referring you. Know that like my relationship with Belfry was what facilitated the relationship with Nicholas, and um, you know they come to trust you through them, and then and then maybe you know some of it's reputation a little bit now. You know, like uh, it was it was it was interesting going from ESPN. I'd been laid off in ESPN and didn't have my contract renewed, and then I I freelanced for a while, and then hired by the Athletic, and at that point you know the Athletic didn't exist, so 
you know, I think I was a second employee and then trying to explain to people what the athletic was and it's, uh, it, it doesn't have as much power as ESPN does, you know. So the fact that the athletic has kind of a standing now, it's interesting to see, the, you know, where it came from. But, you know, if I can call someone and say I'm from the athletic now and um, I think people trust you a little bit on that, you know, with players, you know, it's it's being around, it's it's writing about people fair, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think of always trying to be objective and fair and, and sometimes bringing interesting ideas to them and, and things they maybe don't usually think about, or it's not your ordinary question. So I, I think like any relationship, it's, it's building trust. Then, you know, sometimes it's, it's someone helping you have, you know, saying this guy's okay and vouching for me. And I think with, you know, Nicholas, and then, you know, I've gotten to know Ryan Hardy pretty well now through the steel. And that was also through, uh, through Belfry. And, you know, I've done a couple stories of Ryan Hardy and, um, it's uh, you know there was early in the pandemic he was he was pretty honest on Twitter and and and, he, and he's a usually honest person you know he's a really honest person about hockey and you know we did a story about how he was the probably the person uh, the most interesting Twitter follow person that you don't follow and uh, ironically he's he's deleted his Twitter account now so uh, I think he added it's, a, it's every few months he just yeah, keeps that was in the back. <laughs> So he, I, I saw him yesterday when I was out to practice, and right now he's he's off Twitter again. He's got a second Twitter account that's not as uh, well followed, but I think it allows him to still go out and, and see things. But he uh, he knows that sometimes Twitter is a, a bad 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 road for him. But it's uh, yeah, it's you know it's it's certainly just people helping with those relationships and then getting to know them and 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 showing your face and being places and. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, if Owen Power, uh, you know, even like yesterday, like they, they, they said, they told me, uh, uh, you know, Owen Power, this is Scott Powers is here from the athletic and we, you know, we trust them. So we talked for a while and then, you know, if the Blackhawks draft Owen Power, I, w- I would think that he remembers me and maybe that's something that, uh, you know, you develop that relationship over time. So I, I know with some of the prospects too, that's been good for me too. Just, um, you know, the beat writers don't have as much time to do the prospect stuff and I, and I've really enjoyed that. And, you know, uh, going out to, uh, you know, I went out to London to see Adam Boquist or, you know, when Dylan Secura was pretty good, I went to Northeastern. And then it's plus, it's, it's cool just to kind of step away from the pro stuff and, and go to some college rinks or some some junior places. It's uh, It's been kind of a fun to kind of, um, you know, to see other parts of the game that I, you know, I also had to learn about just like the NHL. Well, you already mentioned how you came on board to the Blackhawks, you know, beat seven years ago, and you've seen the ups and downs of a championship team and then some maybe leaner years. Is it, and maybe I shouldn't frame it like that. What are some things that stand out for you that differentiate a championship team from a team that doesn't quite make it? Drafting well and then having guys on the contracts they need to be, you know, when Kane and Taves were at a more affordable rate, like you, you have, you can make some mistakes when, when Kane and Taves are 10.5 million um, and then you add Seabrick at 7 million, it, it becomes a problem, you know, like it just, and even now, like the, I, you know, we wrote about it today when, when Bowman got promoted, it's um, I don't think the Blackhawks, uh, they shouldn't have struggled as much as they, they did, you know, like they had Panarin. Um, they, they, they didn't have to trade him when they did. They, they didn't have to trade Jomelson when they did, you know, like there, there were some reactionary moves and, and then there were some times where they, yeah, I don't know. They just, there are bad decisions in there too. You know, like it's, at some point you should, you need to, you keep hold of some of those guys and, and, you know, I, I feel like they've made some really smart moves signing European players, but then you trade away Panarin or you trade away Cahoon and 
Um, you know, like you draft Yoki Haru and you finally have a defenseman who, uh, you know, a top four defenseman potentially uh, they haven't been able to produce. So, and then they trade him for Alex Nylander. And so a lot of those moves, I felt like they've added up where, you know, when they were winning cups, they weren't making any mistakes. And you probably had a little bit more uh, room for air because your contracts were a little bit better. And now they've been so far up against the cap. And then um, even last year when they had cap space, like they, uh, instead of really holding on to it or maybe allowing um, some of the younger guys come up, they, they traded. And then strangely enough, they, they kind of, they turned really quickly and decided we're going to go with this rebuild. And, and here they are now getting rid of Crawford and Saad and watching it so far up close that I don't think all those uh, mistakes were necessary. So I think there was some mismanagement in the cap and, and, and the roster, um, but it's, uh, it's hard to, you know, like it just, it's even when you saw the Blackhawks win in 2010, how many bodies they lost because of the cap and then having to figure it out again. And so do you think it's more on the management team and putting a roster together, or is there a difference between the guys and the group that you have that may or may not get them over the hump? Obviously management's got to put them in a position, but once, once you have a team that looks like they can contend, is there a difference between those ones that you know, win the cup or fall just short? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's, it also comes down to the roster management because I think, like, the Canyon Taves can't carry you the same way they, they used to be able to, and you need to put guys in, in place. And, and they have some pieces in the Brinkett and Kubelik. But when I look at the Blackhawks' struggles, it's mostly defensively. So it's like you knew uh, you knew at some point Keith and Seabrook were going to, uh, you know, tail off, and how do you, how do you fix that? So – I, I, you know, Keith can give you still a lot at 38 years old, but at some point you had to be preparing for like, who's going to take him over. So the fact that Keith's still playing 25 minutes in the playoffs, like it just, um, I, I think that's more on the Blackhawks than on, than on Keith. Like you're just asking him to defy, you know, just defy his age a little bit where he, he's certainly a bit of a freak, but you need to put these guys in positions where, you know, the fact that Taves still carries them in those minutes that he does and, I think you needed to figure out ways to replace them. Uh, and, and it's hard to, because they won and then they wanted to reward people with contracts. And that's what happened with, with Seabrook um, and certainly with Canaan Taves. And, and you understand Canaan Taves more just because, you know, like they sell jerseys that are reason people come to the building, but um, the Seabrook contract was harder. I, I think for a lot of fans to swallow because they knew that Seabrook was already declining. And, you know, like you just, you run out of cap space eventually. And, and, and you can have three or four guys making 40 million if they're, Marner and Tavares and, and Matthews but when it's uh, you know guys on the tail ends of their career and, and certainly declining it's a little bit harder so I uh, they, they didn't make the playoffs either so no worries <laughs> but I, I you know with, with Toronto I feel like it's a matter of chances right like it, it's eventually you would think it clicks so it's um, yeah we'll see you know I, I think they have some pieces now I, I think you know the fact that they've really embraced the rebuild because I, I it seemed like in recent years they've been talking out you know both sides were you know, we want to do a rebuild, but then you go out and get Martin Dahan and you, you kind of create stopgaps for Ian Mitchell and Bocas and all your young guys. And, and now they finally opened up those spots. Um, hey, one thing I wanted to get to before we get too far away from it, um, and this is kind of going back to the beginning of our conversation, but I'm curious when you watch a game, like you said, you, you didn't have a huge hockey background growing up. Um, and so you kind of backdoor your way into this, which is, I think, amazing. And like Greg said, it's always interesting to kind of pick um, pick people's brains who, you know, didn't grow up uh, immersed in the sport. When you watch a game now, maybe 
could you walk us through like what you look for or like what sticks out to you like while you're watching a game live or in person? Yeah. So when 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 I got hired by the Athletic, they the Blackhawks wouldn't credential me. So it was like, well, you're covering the Blackhawks, but you're not covering. So I had to figure out how can I be different? What can I do? And, and looking back, it was probably the best thing for me because there wasn't a whole lot of analysis and, and video stuff. So it, it made me watch the, uh, watch the games differently. So, I, you know, I started cutting, cutting clips and why did this work and, and analyzing it. And, and, and I think uh, one slowing it down certainly helped. Like you, you get a better understanding while you're watching the game in person. There's so many different, uh, you know, like you're distracted by the crowd and what happened. And, and you, I just, I never feel like I ever have a true sense of what occurred until I watch multiple replays and, you know, watching the game at my own speed and then um, cutting clips and then, you know, kind of analyzing and trying to figure out and then asking questions. I've certainly, you know, relied on people that, you know, figure out why this worked or, you know, why this didn't work and understanding systems. And so, you know, I, I think now, you know, even, you know, like even yesterday, I, I watched Owen Power in that skill session and then talked to Adam Nicholas. And then I went home and watched, um, uh, Owen Powers' recent Michigan's recent game against Minnesota, and I, I just watched a period, and and you can see all the stuff that he did, and I cut, I think I cut seven clips for the story tomorrow, and I actually sent him the Adam Nicholas kind of explaining what I saw, and if, you know, kind of verify it too, because there's sometimes you know I I I, I feel like I you know I know enough, but I, I'm not going to pretend like I know everything, and certainly it's uh, it's been helped to bounce things off of those guys too, so. You know, even talking to, you know, when I talked to you and, and Adam in, in Florida last year, it's like it's getting a different understanding of how guys skate. And, um, you know, I'm sure you guys shooting videos of that camp, too. Like you, you get a different appreciation of the skating moves and the different, uh, you know, what they're seeing. And, and, and even just the details of it. Like I, you know, the fact that I don't really know how to skate. Like I feel like there's another level that, you know, eventually my daughter is three now. And after the pandemic, I want to teach her how to skate and maybe get out there on myself and, you know, I think uh, there's another layer that I can learn about hockey and maybe some of it's me getting on the ice a little bit more and understanding, uh, you know, um, edges and, and, and different things, too. So I, I um, yeah, you know, just, just I think it's more of its constant, uh, you know, curiosity and, you know, really realizing I don't have everything, but also having to put time into it, you know, like it was, um, again, it, it I wasn't happy when the Blackhawks didn't credential me when I first started the athletic, but looking back, it really was the best thing for me to have to watch the game differently and try to, um, you know, cut those clips and then explain what I saw to readers. And I, I feel like I'm, I'm better at that. And then certainly when, um, you know, during the Blackhawks and the, and the, you know, return to play playoffs, it was like, well, you have the same access as everyone. And, and, you know, you're dealing with the same zoom calls. How do you differentiate yourself? And, and some of it was, was through analysis and, and so it was, uh, yeah, I, I'm not where I want to be in there, but I, I certainly feel like I've progressed and um, it's, uh, it's been a different fun way to understand the game. And it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to what else I can kind of pick up in the coming years. That's awesome stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm loving all the details you're getting into here. And there's so many ways to go about this. Um, I think there's a lot of people curious, and I know you're not as involved with the Chicago Steel, but actually curious of how they're operating their program and how they've been able to get the results they've gotten. So curious through your experience with Ryan Hardy, Adam Nicholas, Daryl Belfry, you know, what, what makes the steel so special? How are they operating maybe on a daily basis to improve their kids and have so many first rounders and many, so many draft picks that are doing well and guys that are going out of success at the college level and soon be the uh, pro level as well. Yeah, I actually, I wrote a story about this, uh, 
it must have been a couple of years now when they kind of got things going. And at that point, you know, Daryl and I hadn't really started on the book. So I knew Daryl pretty well. But, you know, he uh, – oh, you know what it was? <laughs> the Steel obviously have a lot of money. And I remember uh, – I think they hired another PR firm too. So, like, they have their media relations guy, but they also have a PR firm. And, and someone reached out to me with the story idea. And, and these are the – you know, like, you, you get PR emails and you usually just ignore them. But, uh, you know, it had a Belfry's name on it. And, it you know, like, I, I follow the Steel enough. Like, you have an idea what's going on. But this story intrigued me. And then, you know, talking to Daryl about it a little bit. And then going out there and talking to Ryan Hardy and – you know, at that point, uh, Greg Moore was still coaching the team. And it was, uh, yeah, it was fascinating, you know, the fact that they were willing, you know, I think a lot of teams talk about development, um, but it's it, it feels like it's it's two different departments, right? Like you, you have the guy, uh, the skills skills guy, uh, skills analyst who goes on the ice with, with the player. Uh, and then the coach comes on later and there's not, a, you know, they're not overlapping. And with the steel, what they've done is it's everyone's been on the same page. Like they share ideas you know, what, what should we do in the skills session and how do we translate in the practice and how does this work in the game and then allowing the players to make mistakes, you know, like it's, um, we're going to try this and, you know, everyone's, uh, you know, they don't necessarily play. Everyone is out of, you know, not everyone's playing forward or defense and they're, you know, it's not like it's just universal uh, positions, but they, they, you know, very much are playing. Uh, we want our defensemen involved in the offense and, you know, like they're moving all over and you, and you see that in Owen Powers game now, it's it just, you know, how, how deep he gets in the offensive zone and how he wants to lead the rush. And um, it's, uh, you know, everyone kind of having each other's back, but um, this freedom to, you know, to try things and then to fail and then um, in, in time succeed. You know, when I did that story, Owen Power just, uh, I think he was still pretty fresh to the steel. So I actually talked to him a few years ago and he was still a kid and, you know, they saw a lot in him. And then so you're, you're playing with younger guys and taking chances. And, um, you know, I, I think over time they've gotten better players. I mean, the fact that now they have, uh, you know, Brisson's kid, I think that's helped. And, you know, it helps create, um, you know, better relationship, more players there. And um, I, I don't think U.S. hockey's probably happy about the Chicago Steel. This is not exactly great for their their business in some ways. And, um, you know, you know their game on their last game, you know, the Steel were, uh, I think they allowed seven shots you know through two periods and had you know almost 40 themselves i mean they're they're scoring five six goals a game defensively they're pretty good they're producing talent now guys are really developing and you know especially it's interesting covering hockey i I feel like that's been the thing is everyone talks about developing producing players but um, there aren't a lot of people that do it you know like you know blackhawks can say they develop players but you draft someone and then you're usually handing them over to you know if it's college you're handing them over to a program for three years and you have hands on them you know a few times a year and you're talking to them but mostly development's happening at the college or at the uh at major junior or wherever and you know for the f- few years they're at the steel like they're really like that's real development you know like you guys you're seeing guys get better and yeah, I, uh, I'm certainly sold on what they're doing. And, you know, it's uh, I think the proof is in their record and the players that are producing. And I, I, w- I would assume that a lot of, you know, if I'm if I'm an AHL team or or any team right now, I'm, I'm probably trying to copy what the you know, it's, it's hard because ultimately it's they've paid Adam Nicholas and Joe Belfry, two guys who work with NHL players that come work at, a, at the USHL. So it's not, you know, it's not exactly repeatable, but it's uh, I, I think it's definitely opened some eyes and. Yeah, yeah, it kind of, you know, really shows you what developing, you know, how to develop and what development can, can look like. Yeah, and they just got Anna Fantilli, who might be a first overall pick, I want to say 2023. 
Dan, I, I know you're better on those dates than I am. And he, that sounds right, but don't put me on the spot. He, he's a phenomenal player. Uh, I know. Got him out of Canada Jones. too. That was a big get. That was huge because he was about to be the number one pick in the OHL. Shane Doan's kid, Josh, is over there. Uh, they got some serious talent, so it's great to see what they're doing. And Ryan Hardy is a good guy. Dan and I uh, both were talking to him when he came to visit Columbus, which I, I believe is his favorite town. I think he likes Columbus better than Chicago, so we, we got that one on you guys. No comment. <laughs> I'll have to have a talk with him. <laughs> oh, it's all about Pins Mechanical. Best place in town. <laughs> Best place in town. So uh, we've actually had some guys, uh, Ted Soikinen specifically, talk about what they're doing overseas. And it seems like Chicago Steel are doing that, where they're treating these guys like pros and really valuing their development. I think meals might be catered for them uh, all the way through the organization, really focusing on getting them the proper development. So I'd, I'd be curious to read more on the Chicago Steel. I think a lot of people that are coaches are looking towards that to see what they're doing because it's the first time someone's been able to really uh, make the U.S. National Development Program really have to compete for talent. So it's, it's been cool to see. Yeah, I, you know, that, that story that I did, it really wasn't given a lot of juice behind it. I almost I almost feel like I want to rewrite it or push it out there because it, I, I think it's even more significant now because at that point they were just kind of on the cusp of uh, creating something. And, then, you know, what they did last year in the USHL and what they're doing now and, and the fact that they, they've had more players drafted it. I, I think it's a bigger story, and at some point it's going to be broken up. You know, like an initial team is going to come along, and I'm sure initial teams have already talked to Ryan Hardy. But he can, you know, the fact that the money's probably decent with the steal, and he certainly loves what he's doing. That you know, he can be a little bit, a little picky, and um, you know, like Belfry and, and Nicholas. Um, you know, I, I assume that an NHL team probably wants to hire them full time, and even now, like you know, the coaches. I mean, you've seen Greg Moore get promoted, and I think you'll see more of those people go on to the jobs because I, I think I think a lot of NHL teams are interested in people who are having success, uh, you know, the junior level and hoping to kind of duplicate that. And um, it'd be interesting to take what the Steeler, you know, what the Steeler are doing and take it to the next level and give them an American League team or something and see what you know, see what that is. Because yeah, I guess the more that I've covered, you know, the NHL, it's like you just uh, if someone's in the American League too long, you know, I guess, I guess all my stuff is based around my coverage of, you know, having covered the Blackhawks. But if you're in the American League too long, like, it's a bad thing. Like, if you're good enough, you know, like a Tara Vinan or Nick Schmaltz, those guys stay in there 20 games and they get promoted. I'm doing a story on Jeremy Morin, who's done some skill stuff now, too. And he, he uh, you know, he's a guy who spent too much time in, in Rockford. And, like, it, it becomes, like, this negative stereotype where, you know, you look back in the past and guys like Jarmelson and Duncan Keith actually spent, you know, two or three years in the AHL and it was fine. And it feels like guys get more accelerated. So it, it's hard to define what development is. And, I, and I'd, I'd really be curious to see um, – you know, and I think Toronto's a little bit ahead of the curve in this with with who they've you know with whom they've hired to do it. But if you take what the Steel are doing and, and try to use their model in in the AHL and and maybe not worry so much about the results at least first off, but just allowing guys to take chances and be risky. And I, I think uh, yeah, I think there might be something there. I, and obviously, I could be wrong, but I'd I'd be curious to see what they're doing and placing them somewhere else at even a higher level. All right, last one for me, and this one's a little bit of a softball, and it's also off-topic, so I apologize on, on maybe both fronts. So media row at a hockey game, it's as about as high as you can sit, at least at most stadiums that I've been to. Do you think that that is advantageous to learning the game or seeing plays? I guess what I'm asking is, is it the best seat in the house, or are they putting 
the media scribes and the, you know, the non-paying seats for a reason. I don't think you appreciate the, the speed and, and what, you know, like it's, you don't see everything exactly as it's going on. Like, I don't think you appreciate the skill and the, you know, if someone has great hands or how fast they are, but it allows you to see the whole ice. And that's probably what's important to us is seeing, seeing the whole, uh, and, and there are some buildings where you don't see the whole ice, you know, like if you're, I was in San Jose or something like there, there's beams in the way in certain places and the visiting media doesn't always get the, uh, the best, uh, vantage point but yeah I, I think it, for, for what we do and you know we're certainly always given tv so you're watching replays if you really need it but uh yeah at least to see the whole ice i think that's that's the key for us and 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 then you also know that we're not a paying customer and like they uh they have the uh, they're probably even better views or for, for for someone who has the money so I've always enjoyed sitting high up. I don't know. I get made fun of. My friends make fun of me because I like sitting in the in the bleeders. But I like that you can see the whole game develop, and it's easy. Like like you know, like you just said, you can really see the play develop. And when I go to a game, that's what I'm that's what I'm there for. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Either front row or up in the nosebleeds. Those are the only two ways to go. <laughs> Either you need to see the speed up close and realize that as much as you think you can play and you're like, Oh yeah. If I was, you know, X, Y, Z, I could totally play in the I NHL. Yeah, you, yeah. No, no yeah. way, no way yeah. possible. It's just way too fast. And yeah. then up top, you can actually really uh, see the space and the lanes and how the play develops. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. Again, Scott, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, this was awesome. I, I really enjoyed your stories and understanding how you learned the game and have operated around, around the best in the business. Uh, I mean, Chicago is a great place to be and, uh, thanks again for coming on. No, appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care, Scott. Thank you for tuning into the Hockey IQ podcast. We are Hockey's Arsenal, Greg Revac and Dan Ducart. Together, we've come together to create a platform and a community to expand on hockey intelligence, hockey IQ, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're very passionate about seeing this game played smarter and better and continue to develop itself uh, to the next level and staying on the cutting edge of things. So you can find us at Hockey's Arsenal on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We're also at Hockey'sArsenal.com. From there, you can find some resources and some options to work with us. We're excited to continue this. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, follow, and share. Uh, You can also join up for our newsletter as well, where we're going to tackle anything Hockey IQ related. So we're excited to have everyone here and continue to build That concludes this week's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Hockey IQ. If you haven't already, take a quick moment to hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and drop a review. If you want to be a great teammate, even recommend us to a friend. You can follow us at Hockey's Arsenal on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website, hockeysarsenal.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You won't regret it. Catch you buttes here next week for a brand new episode.